You're listening to The Bunker New York, live on Red Bull Radio. Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. I'm your host, Brian Kasnick. We have a very special show today. We have two guests, Anastasia Christensen and Legowelt. They're each getting an hour to play us some tunes and have a little chat. And uh, we're going to start with Anastasia. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for the invite. Yeah, making the effort. Got into New York a little early. Um, so this isn't your first time in New York. We met... I feel like I've met you so many times now, but we I, I was looking back and the first time I remember meeting you was at the Unter party in March of last year. That's correct. Uh, that was my first tour to the States and it was initiated actually by Unter. And oh, around, nice. I built the tour around that. So that's where I probably met you the first time, that's what I remember. Yeah. yeah, and you've been to the States at least a couple times since then. I know we saw each other in Detroit this year. Um, I guess, do you enjoy being here? Do you enjoy New York? I enjoy New York and I enjoy actually exploring more and more in this country generally. Uh, it's so diverse and it's so large. I really enjoyed the West Coast as well. Um, but yeah, I keep coming back to New York uh, in one way or another for, for different reasons. And um, it's, it's nice here. It's huge and there's lots of culture and arts to explore. So I'm happy to be back and happy to, to play yeah. The bunker show. Yeah, happy to have you here. <laughs> Thanks. Um, let me see. So you, even before this DJing thing, which has really taken off for you in the last couple of years, you, it seems like you traveled quite a bit. You started in Russia. You went through Canada. Um, but you were saying earlier, you consider yourself a Copenhagen artist because that's where you set up shop. Um, what, what drew you to that city particularly uh, originally? I think um, I, I moved there as a teenager and my uh, geeking music and digging into that uh, started in Denmark mostly. So I, in, you know, I can't avoid connect, connecting the city with, uh, uh, yeah, with my, with my music. So it's, it's, a, it's a large uh, part of it uh, for me. Yeah. Uh, why did you move there from Russia with your parents or what? Yeah, it, it was family related. Yeah, my mother moved there and I moved with her. Um, and the reason for starting digging electronic music more deeply was because I was quite lonely. I didn't have any friends as a teenager. So it was for me, it was a kind of escape path. Oh, why did you have no friends as a teenager? <laughs> well, because even you move to such a different country, it's uh, it's hard. It's hard. The beginning, but then you obviously learn the language and you go to institutions like schools, uh, high schools, university, and you start getting more network. But music for me it was a kind of escape, help, kind of way of dealing with the moving part. So, but I, I don't regret it, obviously. <laughs> yeah. No, it seems like it's worked out pretty yeah. well. Yeah, um, thanks. And then you went to school in Canada? Yeah. What What did you go to school for? Uh, I studied computer science for healthcare. Uh, so basically software for doctors, nurses, and kind of patient data, like all, all that stuff. And I had a choice to to choose uh, Canada or Australia uh, for exchange studies. And I thought Canada would be more interesting because it's close to the States. It was in Toronto. So, uh, yeah, that was my uh, 
that's where I learned to DJ. Yeah, so were you kind of digging into the rave scene and it was Hamilton, right? It was in Hamilton, yeah. Yeah, that's where... Do you know Orphex at all? I know, I know. Because that's... I always... I don't know much about Hamilton other than that's where Orphex comes from. That's true. Um, that They do actually have all sorts of events there. I don't think it's been put on a electronic music map yet, but there's actually a lot going on. And at least, like, what is it, five, six years ago I was there. Yeah. So, um, and uh, that's how it started for me. I got some kind of network, local network, and they showed me how to use DJs and turntables, and there we are. Very nice. Did you explore the while you were up in Canada the Mutech Festival or anything like that in other cities? Uh, I was there at the time where Mutech wasn't. Um, it was a different month, like period of time. So uh, I didn't manage to get into Mutech, unfortunately. Okay. Uh, but I, it was mostly like local weekend events. It wasn't a big festival. And so then you moved back to Copenhagen, and did you start doing the the computer science for healthcare that I did. you studied for. I actually w- always worked with what I've studied uh, in government and hospitals and a couple of times for private companies like pharmaceutical stuff uh, and I actually like what I do in that part of my life too. I think uh, I have a certain knowledge which I have developed uh, and certain specialist kind of uh, manner and but the music has taken over. Right. So it, what have you gotten to the point where you've stopped doing that and just focused full time on um, music? <laughs> right now it's uh, it's mostly music, but I do have some duties in the office still, but it's less and less than that. So Yeah. I mean, I've watched a lot of artists on my roster make that transition, and I guess it can be a little difficult to decide exactly when and if to totally let go and give it all over to music. But it seems like you must be on the verge of that <laughs> yeah. or, or at least being capable of doing that right yes and it's been uh, it's been something that i've thought of for a good while now and my friends and my partner knows a lot about it like how i can struggle sometimes to choose what what's now should i continue choose career opportunities which i still was getting or should i actually just keep it like kind of status quo and rather focus my energy on music and it's really tough when you're especially used to you know, like a safety network and yes. a good income and, you know, suddenly you probably don't have it with music or maybe you don't have it in six months and then what? <laughs> That's the thing. You can yeah. you can have it with music and be in a very good place and then who knows? Who knows? Yeah, yeah six months, it's, a year, two years later. Or maybe it's a, you know, it's a lifetime career. Nobody knows if you don't try, you know. It's, <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a choice and it's, it's always choices. Yeah. Well, yeah. kudos for trying. And when when exactly did things in your mind seem to really start picking up and getting a momentum where you could start thinking about this as a full-time thing? I think when my current agency approached me, it for me was some kind of stamp of uh, recognition in the industry because I have uh, I, I like my agency and they have a strong roster and I thought, okay, this might be like they believe in me and maybe they could, you know, we could develop something together career-wise. And I think since then, which was beginning of 2017, we already started talking back and forth. Yeah. I thought, okay, this becomes a next step series uh, career. And I think after my ato- first Atonal Festival, Berlin Atonal. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, uh, that's where I thought, 
uh, after I played, it was so marvelous and such an amazing show. Uh, I thought, okay, I feel like I've just stepped up to a professional level here. Like this is big. Like this, this went so well. Yeah, and if I remember remembering correctly, um, Dimitri, who yeah. owns and founded Trezor, like specifically now you're, you're he loves it. Yeah, yeah. A, he really he really loved what you did there and like made a point of saying something about it you don't you he, don't hear those kinds of things from him very that's often. true yeah he's quite a reserved guy but uh he he definitely observes his you know his festival every year and sometimes shows up on club nights and he's i have so much respect for him so when this came up online and people pointed out to me and i didn't know about it yeah it, it was like probably one of the biggest endorsements ever yeah, I, I mean, could imagine. <laughs> so. Yeah, this is, he played a major role in, in starting techno in Berlin, bringing absolutely. Jeff Mills and Richie <laughs> yeah. Houghton and all these people to Europe for the first time. It's pretty. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely he's definitely put a huge impact on the of everything we're doing today. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was it was uh, definitely kind of a sign for me. Uh, okay, something's going on here. I have to, I have to do it seriously. Yeah. yeah, and I know you've had a few tracks out on compilations and remixes and stuff. And without saying too much about it, I know you have your first solo record is going to be coming out sometime soon. Yeah, we aim for kind of mid-fall or end of the fall. Uh, I'm excited to see how that's going to yeah. come out there. Yeah, so. that should be pretty big for you. I worked quite a long time on it, so I uh, changed my mind several times. I edited several times. I put things in and out and... At some point, I'm like, this is it. This is the material I want to be out there. And it's it's a lot of work. Did your interest in production kind of come around the same time that you were first getting into DJing? Or does that come later? I think it came exactly the same time as I started mixing. And it was, for me, a very welcome... It, it was a very connected uh, dependency, almost. Not in a career-wise, like career... Uh, um, context, but mostly in artistic development. I wanted my own sounds. I wanted to play what I have created. So for me, it was quite connected. Uh, yeah. Yeah, buddy. Um, so to move into maybe personal stuff a little more, I know you just moved apartments. Yeah. How was I'm that? How was, how was that? I know that's like one of the most traumatic, that can be a very traumatic life event. Because <laughs> it's still going, I think, for a third week now. Uh, I have painters doing stuff while I'm in New York. Uh, it's exciting because um, it's a new place. It's close to the airport, which is very useful for me. And um, uh, this is the first time I'm going to live al like alone without roommates or a partner or anybody uh, for a long time. So it's... Um, it's exciting to see how I'm going to take care of everything myself now. Yeah, make you feel like an adult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I know also recently you were posting online about how you had like a pretty serious medical condition you went through after the Detroit Festival this year. Um, that I know from what you told me, it sounds totally unrelated to what you're doing as an artist and traveling around and stuff. But I know it forced you to take a little bit of time off. I'm just wondering if that kind of shifted your perspective on anything at all, having to slow down and take that time out. Uh, it has given me the idea that things can vanish any minute from you. And it's true. It's really scary. And that just reminded me how important it is to actually cherish and appreciate what you have today. And I, I might admit, I didn't do that. 
until that happened. Yeah. And actually, my father passed away kind of a few weeks right after I was released from the hospital. Oh, wow. So it was a tough summer, but it's just a good like reminder of how easy it is to lose what m means, like what is important to us. And unfortunately, I learned it only the way the hard way that's you know? i mean that's kind of how that stuff works that's how it yeah. and i i found in life it often you have these a whole bunch of really major challenges that seem to come out of nowhere all next to each other like that i don't know why but i've seen that pattern in my life and other people's lives around me yeah so. uh, it's like as russians would say evil doesn't come alone it's like it comes all together and like in one kind of stripe yeah um but I think that was the lesson and I keep reminding myself that I've just been dealing with this terrible event and I'm, I'm back on track and I'm going to appreciate it and just be happy for it. Yeah, well, yeah. it sounds like you're coming out of it with a great perspective, so that's, mm. that's amazing. And just to talk briefly before we get into your set today, you said you're going to play some maybe... I don't know if I want to say non-dance music, but not. This isn't going to be a typical Anastasia Christensen club set. That's true. Um, you, I don't know. I don't remember if you heard me play in the club, but you have researched what I play, and it's yeah. definitely uh, focused on 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 a on a club and dance floor normally. Uh, today, I thought to present um, music from my friends. Lots of unreleased stuff uh, that goes into kind of more deep uh, direction, but also quite advanced details around this music and um, I think I found a selection that wouldn't fit the classical dance floor Anastasia set. So uh, I want just to show the art of, uh, of Friends and the recent music I found around. Okay, well sounds super interesting. We should, I guess, get into the set. You're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio been talking to Anastasia Christensen and now we're going to get into her DJ set. Stay tuned.
we've just heard uh, a few tracks by my friends uh, Remy from Moscow, Rosa Terenzi from Australia, and mm, something in between. <laughs> Tune into Red Bull Radio, Bunker New York Show.
So far we have been listening to Katrina, uh, Bjarke. We have been through all different soundscapes here, like old old rave stuff from the UK, 89. I hope you're enjoying this The Bunker New York show and stay with us for a little bit more. Thank you.
listening to Red Bull Radio. Radio. Thank you. 
Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. We've been in the mix with Anastasia Christensen. Gonna let her last track play out here. Very cool set. Thank you so much for joining us. And coming up next for the next hour, we have Lego Welt. So stay tuned for that. You're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. We're going to switch gears now and have Lego Welt take over, our second guest of the evening. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, happy to be here, Yeah, Brian. It's, yeah. it's, it's great to have you. Um, trying to think where we should start here. Maybe, uh, what are your... You've been to the U.S. We were talking about this before the show a lot over the years. What are some of your earliest memories of coming here? I guess specifically, were you part of any of those kind of Willie Burns small show driving around the East Coast? De- de- definitely, I was all, all about that, and even the proto Willie Willie Burns uh, shows. The first time I was in the United States was probably uh, 2001, uh, like a few months after uh, September 11th happened, I think, and um, we had a really uh, shitty booker here or uh, how do you call it promoter yeah and our first gig in uh, the united states was in upstate new york in binghamton in a strip club and this was with the uh, <laughs> uh, uh the d Hague bunker crew uh with uh orc electronique uh me and uh smash labor gita faris the boss of the d Hague bunker records and uh and me and who else was there now i think that was it yeah and then that, yeah, that was a ter- terror, horrible. Yeah, so these were early tours, we were saying, long before you had a booking agent. I mean, who's, whose idea was it to have a bunch of Dutch artists come over here, and how did that even 
happened at that time? Because I know, like you're saying, you're playing in a strip club in Binghampton. The budgets were obviously very low for these shows. Yeah, um, we did. We didn't make any money. We w- would come home with like minus two two hundred dollars, <laughs> or we didn't even have uh, money to buy food. But uh, 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 let me make clear that the, the Binghamton thing was only uh, uh, the first gig. A- after after that, things uh, became better because we were uh, actually saved by a local fan who lived in a farm there, and then things got better. And then uh, he drove us to New York, where Willie Burns uh, um, booked our show in uh, in New York in the uh, in the hotel. Uh, what was it, the Tribeca Grand? Yeah, and, yeah. There was a lot of stuff yeah, happening. Uh, and I mean, it was kind of a slow period, the early two thousands for electronic music in New York. But there, that way it was the, Electro Clash days, and, and, yes. and we were super electro uh, put in that uh, pigeonholed in that uh, sector. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the Tribeca Grant, we, we never had seen so much luxury in our lives before. So was that one of your first big kind of international or outside of Europe tours, gigs coming over for that? I think so, yeah. That was the first time we came to the States. Yeah, we, we haven't been anywhere else back then, only a few places in Europe, yeah. And you've continued to come here a lot over the years. We were talking earlier that you've done The Bunker four times. You've played Output a few times. Somewhere in there you played at the festival in Detroit? Yeah, D- DMF. Uh, last time 2005 and 2004 when it was still free. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and 2005 they started asking money for the first time, I think. And yeah, then it went downhill, I guess. No. Yeah, I think there was one year, probably I would imagine the year you played, where they got some huge grant from the Dutch government or some Dutch organization. So there were a lot of Dutch artists that played that year. Yeah, that was before the crisis when they uh, would, would do that stuff. Yeah, But yeah. Uh, that, that doesn't mean we made a lot of money. We still came back home with like, uh, you know, like, ten dollars <laughs> okay hopefully it's going a little better than that now yeah um so fine these days yeah so switching gears to mo- some more uh current projects i guess the most recent thing i heard about was this uh project you're doing with the swiss museum and center for electronic music instruments SMEM. Yes. yeah yeah do you want to talk a bit about that and what that place is like and what your involvement is in that project yeah um Earlier this year, I had to play in Fribourg, not Freiburg, but Fribourg, which is a, a small medieval city in Swiss, in Switzerland. And uh, this guy said, yeah, you want to check out our synth museum? I said, oh, okay, shh, just, you know, okay. Yeah, what, Lego what? World's here, let's show him the synth museum. Yeah, okay, <laughs> like, uh, boring, you know, but th- then I went there and it's like in a, a three-story underground atomic bunker kind of vibe. And they have like 5,000 um, synthesizers, keyboards, organs, and drum machines. And, and it's like in a huge, uh, never-ending, uh, yeah, uh, underground, uh, yeah, how to build storage depot or something. Yeah. And I was like, uh, what, what, what the fuck is this? You know, this is like crazy, you know. And and there were uh, keyboards and synths I had never even heard of. Right. And you're an expert on the subject. I, uh, not really, but I, I know a little bit about it. But uh, and it's also not really really a museum yet. These things are just stored there and and on pallets basically. Who who do all the synths belong to? This museum just. Collected them over the years? No, no, because it, uh, yeah, it, 
it's not yet a museum it's just uh, you, you cannot go like oh I want to visit the museum yet but it's going to be in the future but uh, the the collection originally comes from this uh, guy called Klaus Trenkel or something I, I, I don't know uh, from my uh, uh, memory but, but it is a, a, a typical eccentric Swiss guy uh, that's an actor Okay. And he played in. Uh, he's he's the Santa Claus in Bad Santa. It's like a horror movie about like an evil Santa Claus. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that's him. And he was also in Star Wars in the. Uh, I, I don't know much about it, but he was like in the in in the bar or something, like playing an alien or something. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> okay, but yeah, it's, it's, it's like yeah, and, and his hobby was like collecting sins, and people would just give him because it's Switzerland and uh, it's quite a rich country. So, yeah, especially in the '90s when people had like a profit five uh, lying around from their old band days, they were like, "Oh yeah, we'll just give it to this guy, and we don't right. have to throw it at the trash or at the recycling," you know, and. So this guy ended up with thousands of synthesizers, and then he decided, well, uh, 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 I'm gonna give it to these like young people who have this space in Freiburg because it's kind of connected to a club there too. And um, yeah, th th that's how this started. And then they started the the SMEM, the Swiss uh, Center uh, Museum for Electronic uh, Instruments, and now they're doing a fundraiser. Um, yeah, to uh, get money to build a studio, so everybody can go there and use the uh, synthesizers. And yeah, and uh, I'm involved in a project because uh, it's a Kickstarter project, and one of the rewards is that the people that give money will get a, a record uh, m made by me with the synthesizers over there. So. Right. So you yeah. may, are you actually making it in this space in the bunker? Or are you taking them away into your own studio and? No, no. I, I, uh, if the Kickstarter succeeds. Uh, oh, I see. Yeah, which is thirty-first uh, of uh, three October is the the deadline. Uh, but I, I think it's gonna succeed because uh, uh, they or we are, <laughs> are already uh, at uh, more than uh, half of the money. Uh, so, uh, but one, once that succeeds. Um, they fly me over there and I'm just gonna use those synthesizers there and record an LP or something. Yeah. So, uh, talking about LPs, you have a ton of LPs out and you use a lot of different aliases, um, which is not a super unique thing in electronic music, but I feel like for you especially, you really have a lot. And I'm just wondering why instead of just putting it all out as Lego Welt or one name, why why have all these, is it because coming up with the different names and projects and ideas inspires you in a way or? No, it, it, it's just more like dividing the thing. Cause if you would release it under the same name, the, the, you know, then it would get uh, Lego Welt probably uh, would use that. It would be so saturated, you know? Yeah. Uh, but. Mm, for example, in the 80s, you had Bobby Orlando and stuff, you know, like these guys would uh, even make a new label up for each new release. Right. So for, for me, I, I don't really think about these things. For me, uh, a new artist name is the same as a new uh, track title. I, I don't take it so far to make up a new label name because then people will get 
they get a little confused yeah and and, you um, do have i mean you write you write all the descriptions and kind of press releases for your own records or is somebody else doing that uh some sometimes other people do it when when it's weird or uh, then then it's me probably Uh, okay yeah when it's it's like kind of like or i don't know like uh when it makes sense it's somebody else right so are you just making the music and then okay i have this collection of tracks i need to put them on an album so i need to come up with a name for this project and the story behind it or is the name of the project and the story behind it already in your head when you're starting to create the album that, that, that depends it, it can the story can already uh, exist or something and then uh, yeah and then uh, it, yeah it, it can be any way you know so yeah. sometimes I make a story afterwards but sometimes there's no story at all because music sometimes doesn't need a story yeah of course it, it's you know it doesn't mean it's abstract but uh, you know it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to because people always say, "Oh, you always make these concept albums," and I fucking hate the, the 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 term concept album. That's the worst fucking shit ever. And um, uh, yeah, for for me, it's it's more like to have an image of the music, you know? Right. And, um, uh, we were talking earlier before the radio about the uh, rise and fall of Manuel Noriega album. I made. I, I would never fucking ever make an album like that nowadays <laughs> i think that's so fucking cheesy that i did that but but when you did it i guess going back to the same question before when you did the manuel noriega album was that was that did that idea exist before you made the album or did you just make this album and then come up with the story no I, I, that was really like like kind of tribute album to him because i was obsessed by this guy right I I, stu- I I studied his i'm i'm he's he's a really uh for me uh uh, an interesting person, so to speak. Yeah. Um, uh, if, if he's not really evil, I think, but some people will say, yeah, um, uh, he's a very interesting character. And uh, I also saw the the movie that was made by him. It was a really bad TV movie with like some like American comedy actor playing him in a serious role. I don't know who it was, but you can uh, uh, Google that. But then, uh, but, but this was a really uh, a long time ago, right? Like so, 12 years. yeah, like more recently, I think it's pretty recent that you started Nightwind Records, right? Yeah, I, I started that in 2014. Yeah. So I notice on that label, a lot of things come out as like super limited edition cassettes. Some things are vinyl. A lot of things are actually digital only. What uh, what's the reasoning behind doing these like really low pressings of cassettes and having some stuff be digital and some stuff be on vinyl? But the reason is my laziness because <laughs> I, I make these cassettes myself, and uh, some sometimes I have the energy or, or basically the time to also do the vinyl release because it takes a lot of preparation with mastering so, yeah, and selecting the the tracks and the, uh, you have to make the artwork really big. Because whenever I make the artwork, I, I make it like really small. But if you put it on an LP uh, cover, it's gonna be all blocky, and then I don't have it and stuff. So it, it, it's it's a very uh, chaotic. I'm very chaotic and lazy, in in those uh, terms. But I'm, I, I will try to to make a little bit more effort to uh, maybe have each Nightwind records release on vinyl in the future. 
if there's still a market for that. Right. You know? but, I mean, but but you can always count that every Nightwind release is uh, on the Bandcamp digital. Uh, yeah, I noticed that. I appreciate that. Um, but is it is it important? Does is it important to you that something comes out on vinyl, or are you just happy, especially when it's on your own label, just yeah, to well, get it out there into the world? It, it, it's 2018, you know. It's it's a medium from the uh, fucking 19th century, basically. I, I, I'm I'm not anti-vinyl, but I, I, sometimes I I just don't uh, understand it because it's it's a very difficult format because the the frequency range is kind of really shitty yeah. and you can only put. Uh, um, uh, that's also the, mainly the thing with the Nightwind uh, record releases is they're pretty long or they have a lot of tracks. Yeah, you have a lot of like more ambient albums that are yeah, I don't and, know, 12 and, or 13 uh, 10 minute tracks. That, that's kind of difficult to release on vinyl because sometimes you need like five records to put like the, the occult orientated crime album would have at least four records but uh, not now nowadays there are other labels asking to release it on vinyl. Uh, like the Solander Recording Company from Australia. That right. They just said, oh, yeah, you know, you want to do this? I said, oh, well, sure, then I don't have to do it. Yeah, you don't have to do the work. I mean, there's so much that can go wrong in the production of vinyl. It's, I know from running my label, it can be an enormous pain in the ass. And I've often thought that there, you must really like the immediate immediacy of doing digital-only releases. Yeah, that, that, that's the main thing too, because the vinyl takes months before it's out. Yeah, especially uh, it's it's getting kind of better again, but like last year, you had to wait like uh, sometimes five months, and then the, yeah. the the momentum is gone. The the you think, and then it comes, and you think, oh yeah, this is shitty old. old yeah, by the time it comes that, out, yeah. you're not that excited about it anymore. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to talk a bit about your cyberzine. I'm a big fan, and I guess just for people who don't know what it is just introduce it and tell us what it's about well, uh, the, the shadow wolf cyberzine is like a 90s uh, style um, uh, you have to call it zine zine how do you say it? we say zine, zine here yeah uh, electronic zine cyber uh, zine and uh, it's um, made in ASCII uh, uh, the, the alt text you had on computers yeah like so, images built out of text. Yeah, out of text uh, or and, and lots of like weird, freaky information about uh, subjects that nobody's interested in. Uh, <laughs> but I release this every year around Christmas. And um, yeah, then uh, people also sent in articles for me to publish. So it's, it's kind of a, a really cool thing. Uh, uh, for me, because there, there's so many people sending in articles, you know, and they're, they're are they people you are they fans or are they friends? Most of the time, I've never even met these people, and there's sometimes I meet them in real life, I think, and they're pretty okay. Yeah, they're real hardcore freaks, you know. Because but then, are they doing the formatting and the ASCII with the colors yeah, and everything? Sometimes I need to edit a little bit, but some people can do it by themselves without any any problem so yeah it's uh, and, and when i first started this i thought nobody's gonna read this because it was some something i wanted to do myself because it was something for my youth like uh when i was young and i went on these uh, bill and tim board systems or you had them on yeah. floppy disk and you, you would read like a uh, you know uh, there was no internet but then you had like only a text article about underground resistance right 
and that's all that existed that yeah and I, I never heard even the music but then it was like a techno uh, cyber sign about underground resistance and i was like ah what the fuck is this this is this is crazy you know and then i went to the record store and they didn't have underground resistance records so. <laughs> then, then a few months later i found a, a, a record store where they had underground resistance yeah i'm always yeah. trying to explain to younger people how difficult it used to be it was easier to read about a lot of the music online or in a book or something yeah definitely then you could actually but, find it and hear it which then, they're so used to the immediacy of just googling it, it, it and it hearing. was also so exciting to read about it even if you had never heard the music yeah you know and you would fall asleep thinking about wow wow that article about this you know wow wow <laughs> what's it's gonna be you know um couple more things i just wanted to ask we were talking a little before the show about how much things have really picked up for you say in the last decade it seems like your touring schedule has become you've become busier and busier and i'm just wondering how you're finding uh, or how you're balancing your it seems like you have a ton of interests in life and of course busy making music and with the label how are you finding it challenging more challenging to balance all that stuff uh, well, it's, it's you know I, I mostly uh, play in the weekends, you know, in the in the and it's of course a, a big part of this uh, thing, you know, because yeah. you, you gotta bring the music out there with DJing or playing live, and uh, there's many different styles of gigs, you know. Sometimes it's an ambient gig or whatever, or a normal gig, or even like a. a a digital reggae gig or something so um, and then yeah uh, uh, in the weekdays I'm just home so I can uh, indulge in these uh, weird uh, hobbies yeah basically I mean I would uh, imagine it seems like most of your touring is probably in Europe so it's not from the Hague it's not crazy travel for you most yeah weekends. but even the US it's like you know I'm, I'll be back on Monday morning you know yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's true. That's it's, true. It's pretty close these days. You know? Yeah. So um, you're no stranger to radio. You had an IFM show for a while, correct? Yes, for a few years, five years, four years. I don't know. Um, Astro Unicorn Radio. Yeah, Astro Unicorn Radio. Cool show title. Um, well, I guess I haven't asked you anything about what you're going to play in the set. Do you want to say anything about it, or do you just want to start playing some music? Well, you asked me to to not not play like the, the uh, like a techno or anything, you know. So yeah. I, I, well, I mean, I always tell everybody it's perfectly okay if you want to play a banging club set, but it is radio, so. Yeah, I, I, I got some. I got two USB sticks and my Ableton here, and I I, I set up something like because uh, uh, I I did a gig like a few months ago uh, called Ragatron in Scheveningen on the beach uh, which is a like um, a reggae dub party and for me this this music is is very important in the history of electronic music yeah, for, of for me that that's the first techno basically um, that that's yeah uh, so I'm, I'm gonna play uh, some stuff of that if there's still time for that. oh yeah we have we have plenty of time oh, we have oh. until the top of the hour oh okay so 40 minutes yeah, okay. uh so yeah let's let's get into the dj set well, the, the more talking the less i have to dj <laughs> <laughs> we want to hear some music too oh, okay. <laughs> maybe we can talk more later okay. uh, but for now we're going to get into the mix with lego weld you're listening to the bunker new york on red bull radio International Farmer 
Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. We've been in the mix with Lego Welt. We just have a few minutes left here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us, Danny. Thank really you. cool set. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so tune in in two weeks. You're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio.